This is My Seminary Life, Episode 5, where we'll be discussing the role of Christian community in spiritual formation. everybody and a happy Wrestlemania weekend to you all. I'm Brandon Knight, the host of this wonderful one-person show. Thanks for coming back. You know, this week in class was by far the easiest one so far. These first four weeks was a lot of reading and the prayer journals. It's a lot to get done. And then the next three weeks, I've got one paper after a paper after paper, do one for each week. But this week, read a little bit. Enjoy enjoy a breath of fresh air. Just read a little bit. Do these forum posts. It was a great week to get caught up. It was a great week to start working ahead. And this was also the last week I had to listen to lectures. The next three weeks, I guess, is really just going to be let's focus on the papers. And the papers I have coming up this next week is my book report, which we will be talking about here on the show, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones's book, Sanctified Through the Truth. Week after that, we have the Theology of Sanctification paper. This is like the big project that I have to do for the class. And then in the last week, we have a personal growth assessment, which I, I'm assuming that's going to be kind of like back, more like the uh, prayer journals we were doing the last couple weeks, more just open-ended of where have you seen God moving in your growth these past eight weeks, which will be fun. I think that it will be good. Uh, we will probably talk about all three of them. I'm excited to do the Theology of Sanctification paper. I don't know exactly how we're going to talk about it on here because, honestly, this podcast functions as also me taking notes on the class. So, a lot of my notes and are going to be used to write this paper. So I might have to get a little bit creative when we come back here to talk about it. But it's still going to be good. Even the verses of the week. Like we had a uh, forum post discussion last week on you know, some of the passages of scripture we were starting to look at to write our papers. And the ones I all brought up were different verses that we've talked about here on the show. So. You're kind of getting like the heftier version here of, I think it's like a five-page paper that I have to write. Like sometimes my notes are five pages long in general. So it's going to be good. I'm kind of hoping that after it's all said and done to take my Theology of Sanctification paper and turn it into a lecture. I am very nerdy and I love the idea of standing before a group of people and delivering my paper to them, um, helping with the hope of helping them grow in their own theology. I am a, I'm a big fan of R.C. Sproul, and I listen to the Renewing Your Mind podcast just about every day. It's a little 30-minute sermon you get, it's not, but it's not really even this. Sometimes it's a sermon, but a lot of times it's him giving a lecture on him or one of the Ligonier fellows giving a lecture on something related to uh, theology. And that's, I really like that type of environment where it's kind of a message, it's kind of a sermon, but not really. It has a lot of the mechanics 
So I'm hoping I'm going to, I am going to put some feelers out there on social media of like, Hey, anybody want like a nice heavy Sunday night service on sanctification? You let me know. I've got something here for you. It wouldn't be the first time that I took a homework assignment and turned it into a sermon. I mean, obviously when I took my preaching class and the Bible study lesson writing class I took at Grace also, I have used the information from those classes for sermons before. But even when I was online with Moody, I took, so I took hermeneutics, which basically is all the heavy lifting of sermon writing just rolled into just all the note-taking parts, none of the, like, uh, you know, the sermon crafting parts. All I had to do was put it into my usual note format and add some illustrations, and it was done. I also took a... uh, So it was a class on the Book of Psalms, really. It was Old Testament wisdom, literature, and poetry, but it was mostly the Psalms with, like, a brief mentioning of the other poetry books. And uh, we had to write a paper on the use of Psalm chapter 2 in the New Testament. And that was the first time and so far the only time in my life that I was blown away by a homework assignment. I was I was feasting as I was doing my studying for this paper, and I have taught that one a number of times. It's one of my favorite. It works it works well like in a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Sunday school type of setting. It's shorter, uh, more engagement with people as I'm talking. So, so yeah, if you haven't heard that one, you know, you can invite me also. It's, it's, a very, it's a very encouraging read. One that I wish I still had. So I had all of my homework when I was at Grace College backed up on a flash drive. And thankfully, this happened after I graduated. But after I graduated the flash drive gave up the ghost and I could not access it anyway. So I cannot get any of my old homework in digital form right now, which is sad because one point, I think it was my senior year at Grace, I was taking a class on C.S. Lewis, which is by far my favorite class I've ever taken, is this one on C.S. Lewis. And every student had to do a character presentation based off of a character from one of the many books that we had to read for this class. And I waited until the week on the Inklings that we were specifically reading The Two Towers. Yes, I had to read the entire Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers in a week. I may have started a little bit earlier, but still two weeks for The Two Towers is a lot of reading. Uh, And I did my presentation on Saruman, which was so fun. I really wish I had that paper still. I, uh, that would be good. I really want to, I posted this on Twitter this week. I don't know how to become a scholar. There is a wiki how, I found out there's a wiki how, but if I could become a scholar, it would be in C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien's works. The Inklings in general, that's probably too broad. You're probably, I think when you become a scholar, you're supposed to be like in a specific thing. And if I had to pick between the two, I don't know which I would take. Maybe Tolkien, because it, because Lewis, everybody loves C.S. Lewis, and you kind of, you do have to, you can read both in order to enjoy both and, like, be scholarly about it. You you have to know. They're friends. They were friends. Anyway, anyway, we should probably get on with the actual show. I've been rambling for a while now. Um, So what we got here today, this is week two 
of the I don't know what we're talking about this week. Thankfully, something came up in our reading last week that has stuck with me, and that is what we're going to talk about today, that being the role of Christian community in spiritual formation. So let me get situated here. I think it is important that we talk about Christian community because uh, at this because at this point it would be a disservice to not talk about it. To not talk about it, I think, would continue to um, would continue to feed a stereotype that I think is common in culture and in Christian culture, especially among men. And I also think that to ignore this conversation on Christian community would continue to give people the mindset that uh, they don't need other people (laughs) and would create extremely inward Christians. I think maybe like 80% of the material in this class so far has been on my relationship with my God. It's been the very, um, I got to get the terms right here, vertical. It's been very vertical, up and down, me and God, uh, which is fine. And I think that is very much the point of this class and very much how spiritual formation works, that it's very much us relating to God, us abiding in Jesus and Jesus abiding in us. We've talked about this. But there is a horizontal element to a line across the horizon. There's a horizontal element to this as well that involves other people. And so even though it was only a small fraction of what we have been talking about, we of what we have been talking about, I, I wanted us to camp out here for a bit. Peter Cesaro, I think that's how you say his last name, Cesaro, in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, that was one of our required reads for this course, probably my favorite book so far that we've had to read. Uh, That one deals a lot with taking care of our emotional, spiritual health and life in order to relate and lead other people. But this week is really about why we need to have other people in our life. We were not created to be an island. Not just Christians, but everyone. Everyone who is human bears the image of God. And part of that image of God is is the desire to be relational, to be in a relationship and to be known by other people. In the book of Genesis, when God is about ready to create Adam, God says, let us make man in our image. God God acknowledging there the Trinity aspect of himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that they were in perfect relational harmony with one another, three distinct persons in one. And it is in the creation process that he wants to now create humans to bear that image, and that part of that image being that we relate to one another, that we want to be one with one another. We want to be part of a group. 
I think a lot of, I think a lot of the pandemic, if you've been paying attention to the pandemic this past year, I think for a lot of us, the pandemic has shown that we need this in our life. You know, I am a very introverted person. I didn't think potentially having to be in quarantine, especially with my wife here with me, was going to be that hard. But it's been hard at different points throughout the year of not being able to be in close proximity to other people. Because I think we're all we're all on board by this point that Zoom can only help so much. All these digital ways that we can like hang out and play, you know, trivia together on Zoom or whatever, only goes so far. You need people in your household. I had a friend come over last night and we grilled out and we just sat and talked for hours and hours and it was good. It was enjoyable. Is a guy I don't really ever, I don't get to see him too often when we really just got to know each other and it was good and it was hearty and I felt my soul being lifted as we spent time together. We need to be together. Now for a lot of people, you may not see other people very well. For other people, you see people as messy as disappointments, difficult to work with, or untrustworthy. And, I mean, to some degree, you're not wrong. Like, people are messy. People do not live up to the expectations that we often place on them. People can be disappointments. People can let us down. Or for other people, and this is uh, specifically aimed towards men, we have been raised in this culture where you're supposed to act like a lone wolf. That wolf. Sorry, my wife makes fun of me because I never say the L in wolf. You're supposed to live like a lone wolf and be self-sufficient in everything that you do. And that's not true. I do think there is an importance of being able to take care of yourself, but you don't have to be a lone wolf in everything that you do. Uh, how Cloud and Townsend's book, How People Grow, it was a, we had to read three chapters from this book. Very good book. Cloud and Townsend's uh, How People Grow, if you want to look it up sometime. And there was a whole chapter devoted to this idea of Christian community. And they argue in the book that God this was his plan A. His plan A to grow us up is through other people. A lot of times when we come to spiritual disciplines, when we come to spiritual formation, when we come to sanctification, we always start and end the conversation at prayer and Bible reading and fasting if you're one of those like ultra elite religious folks. For a lot of people, that is their entire world of sanctification. And if you've been listening to this podcast for the past several weeks, and I encourage you, if you're new to this, please hop back on and run through these other episodes to get caught up. You'll see that sanctification, spiritual formation, it's not just those things. And that those things are good and that we should absolutely be reading and praying and fasting and serving and all these things but it those are not the end all be all those are disciplines 
that we can very easily fall into just a routine of doing things because we know we're supposed to be doing it. What this class has been showing us is that spiritual formation, sanctification, is relationship with God. That is how we grow. We grow in a relationship with God. And yes, it happens through Bible reading or through fasting, but it also happens through being open to how God could be working during the dark nights of the soul. It can happen when you're reflecting on your, you know, what you went through in life. It, there's so much more to this life. There's so much more to sanctification and spiritual formation than just read your Bible, pray, go to church. And what they, what Cloud and Townsend argue here in this chapter is that we come to this with this mindset of, you know, God's going to be working in me through prayer. God's going to be working in me through Bible reading. Those are the primary ways that God works. And maybe he'll use people too. You know, God using other people to grow us up, that's like a, that's not even like plan B. That's like the backup backup plan. That's not, you know, the Avengers and the Avengers West Coast. That's the Great Lakes Avengers. That's like the the beest of the B team. You're on the junior high team when you think you should be on the varsity team. That is our usual mentality when it comes to God using other people. We usually want God to grow us up through his word or prayer. And we see other people as the less than way that God could use to grow us up. Any other way that isn't prayer in scripture is usually seen as less than. But here's our verse of the week. And I hope this encourages you to see that spiritual formation does include other people. And that it is more than just scripture and prayer. Ephesians 4, verse 16. From, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body of Christ is to be growing each other up in love. We are to be working together in the body as brothers and sisters to grow each other up, which means we have to be in a relationship with people. We need to be a part of a small group. We need to be a part of a Bible study. We need to have friends. <laughs> and in those friendships, we're able to grow. And it makes sense. If people, if people can affect us ne negatively, if people can damage our hearts and bring wounds to our soul, if people can disappoint us, that means that there's also the possibility that God can use other people to mend those wounds. God works through many 
avenues, including people. Our whole thing at our church is we are family. It's a very big family because we have three services now. But we have family. We are family here. And they've been running through this whole series about how God builds a family through the various means of, you know, adoption or fostering and things like that. And just how God brings a family together. And it's a way for us to be able to know, like, hey, there's other people struggling with infertility. Hey, there's other people who are walking the same path as me. It's as we bring the family of God closer together, as we tabernacle with each other, as we incarnate with one another, we begin to see that we can help each other grow. We can find people who, can, who have walked down the same path as me. Or I could walk down the same path as them. Like That's part of the reason why I've always been more open to talk about my mental health uh, issues throughout my life because I want to be I want people to know not to show pity but so that way other people who may be going through the same thing but aren't ready to be there to talk about it publicly can come to me and we can walk together because we are a family we are a body of Christ building each other up in love God works directly through other people to grow us up he delegates this work to other people. And God even took on flesh to come do the biggest work in us. When he came, when Jesus came and lived as one of us to die for our sins. There are various roles that the body of Christ can play in our spiritual formation. Correction, discipline, structure, accountability, grace and forgiveness, and support and strengthening. You can have people in your life who is there to encourage you. You can have people in your life who is there to speak truth to you when you're stumbling. You can have people in there to be accountability to you. And I, I loved this section on accountability because I kind of came into Christianity in the in-between time of like, accountability partners are great and accountability partners don't do anything helpful because for some people it was very much accountability partners. They are to police you to make sure you don't do that sin anymore. And then other people are like, there's no grace in this process at all. Be, be gone with accountability partners. And their perspective was that accountability partners are tools to help you get to the tools that will direct you to God. They are to help frame a structure of love and truth that will lead you to what you need to lead you to God. It's just a piece of a very big puzzle, much like spiritual formation in general. It's just one part of a larger tapestry of images. They're here to build us up they're here to direct us and we're here to do that for them as well this is a body functioning together strengthening all of us up you bring something to this group whatever it may be your group of friends your bible study your 
small group, whatever it may be, you bring something to this group that is unique that God can use to build up other people there. Most of these things are experiential. And they argue that, uh, excuse me, Claude and Townsend argue that especially grace and forgiveness are easier to extend once you have received them from another person. These things are experiential and we need these experiences to grow. If you don't have a self-sufficient mindset, or a mindset that people are the worst. I've, I have even said that before. People are the worst. The other mindset that you may be having that I, that I often hear people talk about when they talk about how much they don't like community is that community strips you of your identity. You know, when you're an individual, you are your own person. But once you get into a community, you just become a cookie cutter of that group. And to some degree, I can see where you're, where people are coming from on this. Because you think of like cults. Basically, basically with cults, they strip you of your identity and you just become one of the many fanatics in the group. But what we have here isn't a call for cookie-cutter identity within community. That is not a healthy community. A community of believers is one of individuals in of themselves building life together in a group. You can be in community and still be your own individual person. I had these, I had this kind of uh, thoughts. I had this first started wrestling with all this material back when I was just graduated out of Grace College. So Grace College was very big on community. It was big on everyone being a part of a group and doing things together as a group, life on life discipleship, doing life together, all those all those phrases. And I went from being a super introverted person who wanted nothing to do with any groups to still being a super introverted person, but being parts of several groups in several different uh, friend groups and locations on campus. But then I moved back home after graduation and I watched what has become to be one of my favorite TV shows of all time, The Prisoner, starring Patrick McGuhan. It's an interesting show. It was one of those one-season British shows that is so good, but so short. Why is there only one season? I mean, it makes sense if there's only one season. But, so we, I came home and I watched this show, and without spoiling anything, basically the big overarching plotline of this show is that the individual is good, and the community is bad. The community strips you of your identity, brainwashes you, and the true hero, the true man, is the individual. And so I had these like very polarized views here presented before me. I had 
the prisoner with its radical individualism, and then Grace College, that at the time, I don't know how it is there now, but at the time you could argue there was a little bit of like obsession with community that everything was supposed to be group stuff. And here I was in the middle, kind of wrestling it out in my journal. Seriously, I journaled about this for a while, trying to figure this thing out. And I I really think that you can be your own person and still be a part of a group of people. I think of my own small group now. I've got I got guys a guy who works in construction, I got a guy who does video recording for a a missions organization. I've got uh, two women who are school teachers, two women who are uh, in like the graphic design type of world, social media world. And then you got me working in retail. The guys all like fishing and building things. And then they come over to my house and I've got WWE on in the evenings. I used to hate playing board games. And this is the only thing that I've surrendered on, I guess. I used to hate playing board games. And now that is one of my favorite things because that's the thing that the guys like doing when we hang out is playing games together. And so I've given up fighting that and now I just play games. So there, I lost a little bit of myself, but I gained more relationship and more bonding experience with friends through giving up part of myself. You need to give up part in order to be a part of the group, but you can still mostly be your own person. I'm still Brandon Knight, even though I've been a part of this group now for three years. Like, I just also play games now. (laughs) So what I am saying here is, first off, if you haven't picked up on this by now, the We need a broader mindset when it comes to spiritual formation. It's not just Bible reading and prayer. It is living all of life, being mindful that God could be using these circumstances, these people, whatever it may be, to guide and direct us and to grow us up. That is spiritual formation. That is sanctification. need that to have that mentality more in our life. But the big thing here for this episode is I really want to encourage you, if you are not part of a Christian community, if you're not part of a Bible study or small group or have a group of Christian friends that you spend time with, I encourage you to take time to find that community to build that community. We all need that. Not just one or two other people, but a group of people to help build us up. Yes, just because it's a Christian community doesn't mean that it's going to be healthy. You may be thinking about your own group right now, your own small group or whatever, and thinking, well, this is actually not a very healthy group. And I would encourage you that whatever is going on there, it is possible that God has you in that group to be there as a change agent, 
to work through the difficulties of what is unhealthy about the group, or sometimes, this is a hard pill to swallow, sometimes we have to let groups die and people move on in order for something healthier and more vibrant to grow. So just a thought for those of you who may be part of a community that's not doing too great, but really I am looking towards, uh, directing this more towards the people who don't have a group at all. You really need to be a part of the group. If the body needs you. Peter Cesaro writes in the Emotionally Healthy Church that the body is individuals. You can have individual individuality within the community. The body isn't made up of all ears or all eyes. It is many parts building out the whole group. And I just want to leave you with that. Hopefully you hear me out. Uh, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, favorite, star reviews, the whatever it is that you're supposed to do on the various streaming platforms that you can be listening to this show, write a review, whatever it is. Uh, again, if you can stream the show on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public, so that way Next time you talk to your really hipster friend who doesn't use Apple Podcasts because everyone uses it, you can tell them, well, hey, head over to Anchor and listen to my seminary life. It's on there and not Apple Podcasts. Woohoo. You can also follow me on Twitter at my underscore seminary life to stay up to date on everything going on here on the show and just other stuff that comes into my head that I want to talk about. And over on our Anchor profile, you can leave a voice message if you have a question or a shout out or something you want to leave here on the show that I can use in the production. Sounds good. Um, three episodes to go before the end of the spring slash first season semester thing. Uh, like I said, next week we're going to be talking about Martin Lloyd-Jones, Sanctified Through the Truth. And there is a reason some of you are like, finally, he is talking about the Bible. Yes, I am finally going to talk about the role of scripture in spiritual formation. And there is a reason for that. I've kind of talked about it today, but I'll talk about it more next week. And that's it. So thanks for sticking around. I'm Brandon Knight reminding you to not just listen to the show, but to put what you learned into action.